Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Big night, Coop. Have a good weekend. I am Chris Cuomo. Welcome to primetime. Congratulations, America. You won. The Supreme Court told the Retrumplicans... 19 rogue AGs, 126 House former GOP members, and Trump himself, what they all already knew. You have no case because you have no proof. You have no right and you will get no relief. The entire court agreed. Let me read. The state of Texas's motion for leave to file a bill of complaint is denied For lack of standing under Article 3 of the Constitution, Texas has not demonstrated a judicially cognizable interest in the manner in which another state conducts its elections. All other pending motions are dismissed as moot. What does that mean? You have no right to sue because you have no business saying you don't like how another state ran its election and because there has been no damage to you because you don't show any proof of anything wrong. Which, by the way, is a decision that is a clear affirmation of federalism, states' rights, which used to be a conservative tenet. You see, that's where you see the death of the Republican Party into this zombie form of retrumplican. They have forgotten who they are because of their fealty to one man. Now, They didn't even need to hear anymore, the justices. It doesn't get any worse than this. You're not even going to get a hearing. You don't deserve one. However, this is a big win if you love this country and democracy. In that way, it doesn't get any better than this. That's what won the we over the me of Trump. Now, the Retrumplicans and those desperate to disown democracy will say, wait a minute, wait a minute, two dissented. That is not true. Again, we read the statement of Justice Alito, with whom Justice Thomas joins. In my view, we don't have discretion to deny the filing of a bill of complaint in a case that falls within our original jurisdiction. They then cite a case. I would therefore grant the motion to file the bill of complaint, but would not grant other relief. And I express no view on any other issue. What does that mean? Their note is not about the merits of the case. Okay, Alito and Thomas. This is a little in the weeds, but it matters because you're going to be hearing this and you should be armed with the information to rebut it. Alito and Thomas have a long standing dispute back to this case that they cite Arizona, California and before. They have a different feeling about the Supreme Court's role in taking cases of interstate controversies. Okay. That's about jurisdiction, not about the merits. The key part is the end of this discussion. But we would not grant other relief and no view on any other issue, meaning they too see no wrong to remedy, period. It's over. The statement from President-elect Biden's team, this is no surprise. Dozens of judges, election officials from both parties and Trump's own attorney general have dismissed this, his baseless attempts to deny that he lost the election. President-elect Biden's clear and commanding victory will be ratified by the Electoral College on Monday and he will be sworn in on January 20th. We'll get to that. But first, where we are. Trump was right. This was the big one. It was his big effort with all his cronies to steal the election. Now, why was he so confident? He was confident not because of the merits, but because Donald Trump has always believed everyone is like him. Transactional, no principles, no integrity. There's nothing to life but your own ambition and how to get what you want. That's why he met with Comey 
and asked for loyalty. That's why he tried to make a deal on Flynn. That's why he was okay letting Russia help him. That's why he's okay now with having low character people around him. And that's why he thought judges that he picked would side with him. He even told you that, remember? I need Justice Amy Coney Barrett for the election. We need them. See, he knew he might lose. And he was thinking of ways to steal, because that's what he does. But even his three judges proved him wrong, not once, but twice. And in that, what we must conclude is what I hope is obvious. America is better than Trump, and we deserve better than how he and the Retrumplicans have been trying to crush this country for weeks in the middle of a pandemic that they are not acting on. And you must remember this day and the way that it happened. These are the names that must live in infamy. 126 of 196 members of the House who are Republicans. No longer of good name, though. No longer Republican. Retrumplican. Because they chose the power of principle. The worst play, right? Power over principle. Ambition over America. The worst we've seen since the Red Scare. And remember, they knew what they were doing. None came forward with proof. They were all in on a con. Among them, it's not some bunch of nobodies, top House retrumplican Kevin McCarthy, now living up to his name, another McCarthy, just like Senator Joe of the Red Scare scandal. The House minority leader now on board with undoing an election because he didn't like the outcome. A man who railed in 2016 that you can't challenge the vote without overwhelming proof. The man who said this to you about the transition. There will be a very peaceful transition. It will be a smooth transition. It'll be a smooth transition regardless of the outcome. No questions, no qualms, no concerns. It's going to be peaceful. This nation is designed that way. This nation will have it that way. And that's exactly what will take place. There's going to be a smooth transition just as it is every time before. So let me put it all to rest for all of you. It'll be a smooth transition. No concern on the outcome. I know this will keep you up at night, but don't worry about it. It's going to be very smooth. Yeah, you're a liar. Of course we had to worry about it because you're a liar. You're just another Trump. You're just like the last McCarthy. Sir, you have no decency. Here at last, have you no decency? And the answer is no. Because you chose to attack this race on the basis of nothing but a desire to keep us divided. Shame on you. Shame on all of you. In the middle of a pandemic, when we needed you most, you were at your worst. Now, some of you will say, well, hold on, hold on. Suing, I mean, that's not that bad. That's how we deal with, no, no. That's not how you do it. You don't go to sue with no proof. You don't sue in search of a case. You bring a case and then you sue. And by the way, this isn't over. Monday, the electors meet. McCarthy said, why would I accept their vote? The guy has no basis of proof for any notion of fraud, but he won't accept it. Let me ask you, how is that keeping his oath? How is that not a basis to throw his ass out? Think about it. He took an oath to uphold the Constitution. The Constitution lays out how we do the election. We do the election the way the Constitution lays out, and he says he won't accept it? How is that keeping his oath? Will the Retrumplicans try to pull something there? How about when Congress meets on January 6th to certify that vote? You already heard Senator Ron Johnson said he may not accept it. These people cannot be trusted. Anybody who would hold up aid during a pandemic to help sabotage a transition just for Trump? Think of it this way. A party that would hold up aid in the Senate because why? Because they need to protect companies from what? Frivolous lawsuits, right? So you want to protect from frivolous lawsuits at the same time that you engage in the most frivolous lawsuit of all time, you can not trust Retrumplicans because they are just like Trump. We know that now. But here's what we don't know. What can you trust? This is a dark time. People would rather get sick 
than wear a mask. People only believe what they agree with. Will this be a watershed moment? Will the Supreme Court show that there is still a line between right and wrong in government? That there is truth, that everything isn't fake if you feel that way. What does tonight mean and what happens next? We have better minds, Anna Navarro and Michael Smirkanish. So, Smirk, what did you think of the decision and how it was articulated by the court? I don't like it at all. I think the president got off easy. The answer to your question is, is a definitive no. Last night I said to you that the best the president could hope for was an outcome without a decision. And he got that. I mean, that very terse paragraph that you wrote doesn't lay down the law. And consequently, the recollection of this case is going to be that Texas, aided by 18 other attorneys general, two-thirds of Republicans stood with the president. And I think it's going to foster this perception in some quarters that there was a fix. What I'm really saying, Chris, is he should have been spanked by the court, and he wasn't. Mm. Anna? Well, I, I disagree. And part of why I disagree is because it was a unanimous decision by the nine Supreme Court justices, including the ones that have recently been appointed by Donald Trump. This is right now a conservative, a Republican, a conservative Supreme Court. Nobody can allege that there's you know a bunch of liberals running amok in the Supreme Court who judged against, came down against Donald Trump. But I, you know, I, I also see it as our checks and balances in this country working. So the executive might be run by a madman right now. There might be 126 servile minions, uh, Congress people, Republican Congress people backing him up and 18 uh, attorney generals. But, but the checks and balances, the judicial, the Supreme Court, despite being overwhelmingly conservative right now, stood firm and defended the Constitution and, and you know, did what we all knew was going to happen. Swat away a meritless complaint and suit. I mean, it's just, you know, it was so obvious. I think any, any high schooler could have told you the state of Texas has no standing uh, in telling the state of Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, and Pennsylvania what they should do with their voters. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, look, let, let me put something up on the screen. Uh, I was going to say, hey, where are all the other Republicans now who didn't sign on saying enough now? You're making us all look bad. Let's do what we're supposed to do. But we're not hearing that. And not only we're not hearing that, we're hearing this. Put up what we just saw from the Texas, uh, the head of the Texas Republican Party. Perhaps law abiding states should bond together and form a union of states that will abide by the Constitution. Michael. Ballots, not briefs, determine the outcome of elections. Those were the words of the Third Circuit. When they looked at the Pennsylvania challenge a couple of weeks ago, they issued a 21-page opinion. I'm saying I wish that the Supreme Court had taken the opportunity. And, and I get it. Monday's the meeting of the Electoral College, as you pointed out. So time is of the essence. But how much stronger of a message it would have sent if those six conservative members of the court had weighed in, offered an opinion, and picked apart the way legal pundits have uniformly yeah. done the case that was being asserted by Texas. Ma That's maybe, what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe. However, what happens then? Once you let it in the door, once you have arguments, you have all that work up, you have all the spin, you have the variability among justices, you have dissenting opinions. Who knows that you get a cleaner kill than this? What I'm saying is this guy from Texas, the head of this Republican Party, just said that you should have a secession over this. Because and there are no so Republicans shame. saying that you should fire this guy. Not fair. Uh, Congressman Ratzinger. Uh, no, uh, Adam, um, what's the congressman's name? Kinzinger, who I love. I have him on the show. It's COVID brain. Forgive me, brother. Um, he said... This is not right. Lincoln settled this. This guy should be gone. But Anna, where's the rest of your party saying, whoa, whoa, this Texas guy is nuts. You know, we are one country. No, they're hiding. They're, they're, they're a bunch of uh, coward ostriches hiding with their heads in the sand, hoping that somebody lets them know when this is over. What we've seen from the Republican Party in the last few weeks is the most shameful thing. I, I never, you know, there's been so many low moments for the Republican Party in the last four years. But what we've seen in the last four weeks takes the cake. I, I got an email this morning, a text this morning from a friend of mine, lifelong Republican, huge donor, has given millions personally and through his company. 
telling me I am changing my party affiliation because I'm outraged by this and I just can't be part of this anymore. Republicans are losing people. Listen, Chris, when you're a congressperson, when you get introduced anywhere, they call you the honorable congressperson so-and-so. I have never seen more dishonor on display than mm. what we have seen from those 126 congresspeople. There are some idiots. There are some bumbling idiots in Congress, but most of them are smart and most of them know better. And what they are doing is lending themselves to this sham and this scam so that Donald Trump does not issue mean tweets against them in their primaries in the next year no, or I year and you. a half. I hear you. And because they are shaking in their boots. But, you know, this, it's a scam and a charade. And if you don't have the, the, the spine to stand up against Trump, you don't have the spine to stand up to represent your constituents. Hmm. Michael, last word to you. It's not just that it's a loyalty test among Republicans. I mean, that's a glass half empty analysis. Donald Trump is their meal ticket. And, and by the way, he, he feeds them well. I made the argument to you before, Chris, despite losing at the top of the ticket, Republicans had a very good cycle. And that's the reason that they signed on. Mm -hmm. Yep, strong point. You know, I've gotten calls, too, from people who are office holders and Republicans, and they say, hey, don't hit me with that Trumplican thing. That's going to stick. I don't want it. My answer is simple. Then do your job. Then start talking about freeing up relief. And you better stand strong when those electors meet. And you better stand strong when it's time to certify that vote. And if you don't, silence equals acceptance. And you're going to get hit with the same stick. Because we need to get to a better place. We're killing ourselves right now. Anna Navarro, Michael Smirconish, bless you both and thank you. Safe weekends. Thank you. Pennsylvania was thank one you. of the states under assault from Trumplicans. We have its attorney general here. He was hoping it was going to turn out this way. He had strong language in his rebuttal. He said that this was seditious abuse of the judicial process. What does he think now? Next. John Adams said, we have a government of laws and not of men. Boy, did that just come under attack. Do you know what would have happened if this had gone the other way? Oh, it was never going to happen. You don't know that. You don't know that. They could have decided to hear it. And then who knows what happens? You know, that's how we were back in 2000. There was obviously a litigable issue there and there were problems with the machines and the counts and all that. I'm not saying the case did or didn't come out the right way, but there was a shock that it was taken at all. So nothing's ever for sure, especially today, especially with someone like Trump playing with minds. A conspiracy carrying the weight of the White House, 19 states, more than 100 members of Congress. But thank God the institution stood. America won tonight. Without democracy, this country is nothing. But what should the consequence be to the men and women who tried to bring it down? And what happens next? Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro brings unmatched perspective from inside this fight. First of all, congratulations. Um, I will Thank let you, people in on a little bit of uh, off the record talk. After the interview last night, I said, no pressure, AG. It's just the entire democracy resting on your shoulders. Um, and it's kind of true. What do you think of the result? What do you think of the after what the aftermath should be? Well, look, Chris, I'm, I'm very happy, obviously, that the court ruled the way they did. Uh, we asked the court to quickly rebuke Texas and Trump and their enablers, and they did. They stood for the rule of law, our institutions held, and yet again, uh, we have a court of law that has seen through what this president is trying to do in this country, and instead of siding with him, the court sided with the rule of law. Now, those who enabled him, that's a whole other story and a whole other conversation. But I will say just, you know, in terms of how I'm feeling tonight, obviously I'm happy, uh, but I'm also sad and angry. I'm sad at, at how the situation has devolved. I'm angry at this president. I'm angry at the people that are enabling him. And boy, oh boy, Chris, do we have a lot of work to do in this country to repair the damage that he's inflicted here. Amen. Amen. Uh, obviously, uh, not obviously, Josh is Jewish. You know, we're going through uh, the Festival of Lights, Hanukkah, second night. Uh, and I used it as a metaphor last night, not just because I'm the shpuka and I wish you well as my Jewish brother, but uh, we need something bigger than ourselves, the strength of the collective, yeah. maybe, uh, to come together to get us through a dark time. Do you think this is over? 
Uh, there are a couple of other cases out there, but what happens on Monday when the electors meet? What happens when Congress meets on the 6th to certify that vote? Well, let me give you a legal answer, and then let me give you a kind of a real-life answer in the world of Donald Trump. Legally, it's over. I've been saying that for a while. Once the state's certified, and then come Monday, the electors will ratify, and then, of course, Joe Biden will be sworn in on January 20th. That, that is the truth. What we don't know, of course, is what Donald Trump is going to do next. And rest assured, if he tries to do anything that impacts the will of the people of Pennsylvania, the will of the people in this country, I'll be there to defend uh, their rights and to defend the will of the people. But in terms of, of what comes next, I think we have to ask ourselves uh, and really question how you know 17 attorneys general and 120 some members of the U.S. House jumped so quickly on a junk lawsuit that ultimately would have hurt them in the long run. Yet they can't get their act together to jump Explain quickly how. to deal with Explain how. How would have it hurt them, just so people know? Yeah, I mean, so just take this to its logical conclusion. If the Supreme Court would have bought Texas's ridiculous argument, that would have meant that going forward, any state could invalidate the votes of any other state if they happened to disagree with the result. It would have been the end of our representative democracy, which is why I called it what it was, a seditious abuse of the judicial process. Mm. That's exactly what transpired here. And a lot of Republicans won congressional seats. They either held or they won new ones. And if the vote had been invalidated, so would their elections been. Uh, you know, well, you, you would have to think logically. What do you say to those men and women, by the way, who join this, who say, hold on, hold on. We have a right to sue. That's all we did here. We just played it out. That's all we did. What do you say to them? Yeah, I, th I think they're spineless. And in some cases, I think they're just downright stupid. Think about this for a second, Chris. There were members of the Pennsylvania congressional delegation that signed on to Texas's ridiculous lawsuit that would have invalidated their own elections. They ran the same time Donald Trump and Joe Biden did. They actually went to court to undermine their own elections. I mean, you really have to stop and ask yourself what has happened in this country. We have a lot of work to do to repair this damage. And I think a lot of people need to look in a mirror, a lot of people who signed on to this, and ask themselves, did I take an oath to the Constitution? Or did I take an oath to Donald Trump? Because right now they're acting like all they do is serve Donald Trump, not the people of this country. Now, I don't think this should happen. I don't think it will happen. I don't think we're in a good enough place to even consider this kind of line of integrity in our public service. But in a different world, you bring a lawsuit that you know is frivolous. And by the way, I don't know why any of these suits weren't sanctioned as frivolous, by the way. Not one of them. Uh, none of the lawyers, none of these suits, you know, they get thrown out of court. They keep doing it and no one sees it as frivolous. I think it's the definition of frivolous, but that's on the bar, I guess. But don't you see a world where people who tried to do this in full knowledge of its falsity might be breaching their oath to uphold the law and the Constitution by trying to sabotage it and may expose themselves to removal? I think there are real questions about whether or not uh, these people that signed on breached their oath of office. I think there are certainly questions about whether the lawyers involved in this case should be sanctioned. Questions I'll share with you here tonight, Chris, that we are carefully reviewing in the Office of Attorney General here in Pennsylvania to determine whether or not we should attempt to bring sanctions against these lawyers. Uh, these are serious things. You are not permitted under the, the rules of professional conduct to waste the court's time, mm -hmm. to file frivolous lawsuits, to knowingly lie in court. All of those things were done by the lawyers that brought these cases and by those who enabled him. Josh Shapiro. Keep lighting candles, brother. We need it. We need it right now. Thank you for lighting the way tonight. The best to you and your family. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Chris. Same to you and yours. Now, look, two big different sides to this story, right? Two big different sides to this country. 126 House members wanted their names attached to this forever. They believed that they were trying to right a wrong. Only one of them decided to come forward and speak about it. And he deserves to be heard. We have a representative from California to talk about what happened tonight and why he was part of it. Next. 
This is CNN Breaking News. All right, just making sure I know what I talk about here. Good. Uh, CNN now confirms that the FDA has officially given the green light for the emergency use authorization. You'll hear the EUA. That's what it is for the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine. It's approved. This means we could just be hours away from the final hurdle to be cleared. What is that? We'll discuss. Uh, But what happens after that? That's what matters. The first COVID vaccine shots will be administered. Let's say can be administered to Americans within days. I say can instead of will because there are a lot of logistics here that you got to get right. Let's bring in Chief uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta and top public health expert, Dr. Lena Wen. Thank you both for doing this at quick notice. Sanjay, uh, we are not surprised by this. What does this mean? Well, this is uh, this is expected. Uh, The the FDA advisory committee recommended this yesterday. Now this uh, Pfizer uh, BioNTech vaccine is authorized under emergency use, which means that uh, the the vaccine itself, which has largely been in these cold storage in Kalamazoo, Michigan, will start to get distributed all over the the country, various locations all over the country. Uh, At the same time, almost simultaneously this weekend, now that it's been authorized, the CDC is going to make the formal recommendation uh, sort of what you were just talking about, Chris, mm-hmm. the who, what, when of the vaccine. Uh, th- there's, there's a lot here. I'm just reading the FDA notice here. Specifically. I know they're printing it's it out for me. That's what you hear behind me. I don't know why they're printing it out yep. for me. It's not like I can read it right now. But what are the high points? The, the, the basic thing is it talks about the fact that, uh, you know, it reviewed the entire application, how long the application uh, has been reviewed, what sort of specific things they were looking for. And basically at the end, and it's, it's a pretty sizable document here, they're going to have some specifics about w- how they determined at the end of the day, based on the totality of the evidence, that the benefits outweigh the risks um, and that, you know, it's, it, this is a very effective vaccine at preventing illness mm-hmm. uh, from COVID-19. So that's that's basically it. There may be some other restrictions in here. I want to read this more carefully. Take a about, look at the document. Uh, things that Lena and I've been talking about. Take a look at the document. Let me yep. bring in Lena just to get a reaction about where this is. You know, I had uh, Dr. Fauci on last night and I said, you know, a lot of alphabet soup involved here. Uh, You know, the FDA has to talk to the CDC after the CDC had already talked to the FDA. Now, after this approval, has to go back to the CDC. Why so much alphabet soup? What is the virtue in this process? What is the virtue in not streamlining it? I think there is great virtue to having external scientists review everything that's going on, considering the record speed that got us to where we are. And the fact that, I mean, I think it's just really amazing. We need to take a moment, I think, and just consider that we are having this mass casualty event every day here in the U.S. But now we have this vaccine developed in record time that can, in time, really save us and save our country and save the world from this awful pandemic. And this is really a monumental moment for us. But Um, we also need to make sure that every safeguard was followed. And that's what all these scientists and all these committees are here to do. I'm with you. I mean, look, at its basis, this is an emergency use authorization, which is already showing that there is some kind of risk here. And we have a messaging issue. Um, You know, you're about 60, 30 or so right now with people about wanting to take the vaccine. And it's important that they have trust and it's important that they know it's done the right way. I agree with all that. Here's my concern going forward while uh, we let Sanjay peruse the document. We are assuming there is going to be a problem with people wanting to take this vaccine. But I will tell you, Doc. And I said this about COVID, that anecdotally, I was hearing it was around a lot earlier than January. Now I've been proven right. I got savaged by my brothers and sisters in the media. I was right. Once again, I am hearing from all over the country that the demand is going to be huge for this vaccine, even in the states that Trump won, because he told them the vaccine's a good thing to take, that he made the vaccine happen. And are you worried about that? that they're holding up the relief bill right now in Congress. There's money in there. I think right now it's $6 billion. There's no talk of a separate vote on just that money to get it out the door for the vaccine, that we won't have enough vaccine for the demand. And you'll start to have people be desperate in this country and thinking that someone's not taking care of them. Is that a concern? 
it's a huge concern because now that we have this resource available, a lot of people are going to want it, which is great. Except that we now need to also produce hundreds of millions of doses of this vaccine and distribute it. Part of what I'm also worried about is lack of funding for local and state health departments. State health departments have requested 8.4 billion dollars in order to run their vaccination programs. They've gotten, I think, about 200 million dollars so far. Right. So McConnell we really calls need it a blue state sure bailout. Warp speed. Yeah, he calls it a blue state bailout, but you have red and blue states all over the country asking for this money because they've run through. They don't have their revenues from taxes because obviously everybody's in a downturn economically. And if they don't have both pieces of the puzzle, money for the manufacturing directly out the door soon and money to support the local governments who will be doing the distribution, what's the potential? I mean, then we would see that all the speed and urgency that we've been put into the scientific development process will not translate to actual distribution. And I think to your point earlier, I do agree there are a lot of people who want access to the vaccine. I think there are a lot of people who are hesitant as well. And many of the people who are hesitant are from communities that are particularly hit hard by the pandemic. And so we have to just make sure that we don't just have a free for all where it's only people who are wealthy who are able to access the vaccine, and people who are disadvantaged are being hurt even more. Yeah, that can happen two ways. One is when people pick winners and losers, there can be a bias, and we're going to have to watch that. And it's going to be hard to do because it's going to be on a local level and a state level all over this country. But a big question mark will, I think, be turned into an exclamation mark when people start to see that people are getting the vaccine. If there aren't a lot of side effects, if you're not having a lot of allergic reactions, people are going to realize this is their best bet. All right, Sanjay, are you back in the game? What do you have for us? Yep. Yeah, so it's a nine-page document, and it talks a lot about the specific criteria uh, that the FDA evaluated in issuing this emergency use authorization. Uh, they spent a lot of time in this document, also talking about the fact that, uh, given that it's an emergency use authorization, there's got to be a lot of post-release uh, screening. They're going to have a reporting system in place, you know, for anybody who may have any uh, side effects or safety concerns about this, and they're going to continue collecting data on this for two years. There's also a request that the、uh, the Pfizer still、uh, put out educational materials to people that they handle all the cold cold chain storage that we've been talking about for some time. So there's a lot of requirements. None of these are surprising.、Uh, the fact that this will continue to be studied that was expected. This is an emergency use authorization. The fact that they will continue to、uh, look for these these side effects and educate. Consumers as they learn new things about this、uh, this vaccine, that was expected. Also, that they've got plans in place to both handle the cold chain storage. It's it's a it needs to be kept very cold. Most people know that now if they know anything about this vaccine, and they've got to be responsible for that. And also have got to continue to provide evidence that they're able to manufacture this vaccine safely at scale. You know, manufacturing for tens of thousands of people in a clinical trial is one thing. Manufacturing hundreds of millions of doses with the same quality control standards—that's、uh, a different level.、Um, so they've got to continue to show evidence of that. So th- th- there's a lot in here, but、uh, there's there's no surprises that I'm seeing. What we also,、uh, I think, we're going to get some more clarity、uh, from the CDC when they make these recommendations. Is is this going to be recommended? For 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 people who、uh, may be pregnant, for example, or is that going to be something that requires a a conversation between a woman and her doctor if she's high risk to have that conversation? Is it going to be not recommended for people who have severe have had severe allergies in the past? Some of the some of those things I'm going to want to to know,、uh, you know,、um, and we might hear about that over the weekend. But the bottom line, as as Lena was saying. I mean, Chris, I, I can't believe I didn't think we'd be having this conversation this year. To be perfectly honest with you, this this is it's it's remarkable how quickly this has gone. But I want to be clear. I you know I don't think that in terms of the trials, and then the evaluation of the data on effectiveness and the evaluation of the data on safety,、um, I don't think any corners were cut here. I know a lot of people、good. are concerned about the speed of this, but this is good data. And this is a safe and effective vaccine, from what we're looking at here. Hey, I have a question、uh, that I hear from a lot of people. Lena, maybe you know the answer. If not, Sanjay, or maybe both of you.、Uh, the idea of, well, hey, which one do I take? If the Pfizer's out there, and then the Moderna's out there,、um, can I take both of them?、Uh, you know, can I split it? Can I take one?、Uh, do I have to take the booster shots?、Uh, uh, let's deal with the first part. Lena,、mm. um, can you take both vaccines, or what are you supposed to do? 
Yeah, so it's not recommended that you take both vaccines. And also in the beginning, we are so limited in supply, you should take whatever vaccine you have access to. And initially, people are not going to have a choice. It's whatever your doctor's office or your pharmacy has access to is the vaccine that you get. And frankly, they're very similar. It's a similar mechanism of action, and they are similar in terms of safety and efficacy. So take what, what you can get. And mm. don't mix the two either. So if you get the primer from the first type of vaccine, get the same booster from that vaccine as well. Sanjay, we have never done anything like this before. Um, and just in the follow-up capacity, I, you know, I had the former head of the CDC on acting head of the CDC, and he said, well, look, I mean, we do 80 million vaccines a year. I mean, we know how to do vaccines. Yeah, but not with follow-ups. Um, how do you even keep track of the people? How do you make sure they get the follow-up within the right window? And what happens if they don't? Yeah, no, this is this is going to be a, a real challenge. And, and frankly, you know, I think the um, the states in terms of how they're logging the inventory uh, and how Operation Warp Speed is basically delivering to the states, that seems to have a, a, a lot of I mean, they're really coordinating that. But for the individual person, I mean, they're getting these vaccination cards. They got QR codes on them. That's supposed to give them information about what they got when they're supposed to get the follow up. But Chris, look, this shouldn't scare anybody, but it's going to be bumpy. You know, this is the first time we're doing something like this. Uh, I'm surprised there's not a more technological sort of feature. You could just have it on your phone and, you know, everything is done in some 2020 sort of way. Nevertheless, um, you know, uh, we, we, we know about these vaccination cards. I think we even have some images of those cards. You raised another question, uh, Chris, um, about the, the prime dose, the first dose, and then the booster. People are going to get the reminder to get that. But if we have this graphic, uh, you know, I, I want to show this graphic real quick. We were looking at the Pfizer data because this, this is going to come up. This is an issue that comes up. The red line is in, in the placebo group. Infections continue to go up. You can see that pretty clearly. What that blue line is, I find very interesting. Uh, this was after one dose. At about 10 days, hmm. you, saw, you saw a significant flattening of new infections. Now, it was just a few week period, and what Pfizer and others will say is there just wasn't enough time to really determine how effective just a single dose was. But you are hearing this, this discussion point come up quite a bit, saying, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We obviously have a much greater demand than supply. Should these doses be going out uh, as soon as they're manufactured, as opposed to holding half the doses for the booster dose for those same patients? Should you, for example, give the vaccine to 40 million people as quickly as you can, or do you give it to 20 million people, hold 20 million in the freezers of these doses, and then give that? I don't, we don't have a clear answer on that right now. I didn't see it in these documents. Maybe we'll hear that from the I CDC. I don't think they know. But Dr. we'll start Fauci, to get answers this yeah. weekend because they'll start shipping. You know, yeah. When the CDC gives the final approval and they start shipping this stuff out, we'll see where it goes, which states, what kind of ratio of supply, and what those states do with it. And we're going to have to all work together about what we hear, about what's being done right and what's being done wrong, because the more we check it early on, the better we'll be off uh, long term. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, Dr. Lena Wen, this is good news. Thank you for being here with me to discuss uh, a potential positive for us going forward. All right. Big breaking news tonight on two fronts. Okay, we are now one step away from the vaccine starting its distribution course around this country. Long way to go. But that is the beginning of a potential end to this virus crushing us the way it is. And we have the Supreme Court crushing this Trumplican bid to overturn this election. Both are in the news. Now, we're joined by one of the only Republicans who would come on to discuss about why he put his name on this failed effort. Why did he do it? What does he make of this news and getting the money for this vaccine? Let's discuss where are we? How do we move forward? Next. Trump's attempt to overthrow the election failed. What about the people who went along, went along with this suit that was just thrown out as baseless? Only one of the 126 members of Congress that we could reach uh, would come on to talk about this. 126 signed off on this brief. Think about that. Only one would come on. Does he accept the end? Does he accept Biden? Will he work on relief now? Congressman Doug LaMalfa joins us from California. Congressman, thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Um, The idea of accepting the Supreme Court's decision, do you? 
Well, certainly this is a setback for uh, the uh, case that was being made by that by Texas. And, you know, it really boils down to there's a lot of things being said about it. But what you're looking at is, does Texas feel harmed doing clean elections and all the other states that joined doing clean above board elections and other areas that were doing sloppy elections? Do they feel like their voters are harmed, you know, say a Trump voter? And are the Trump voters mm -hmm. being harmed in the other states? And so the thing came down to, was it about having a clean election process where I've been a state legislator in California as well. And even in crazy California, when the governor there tried to just do it by edict of having all mail ballots, the legislature said, no, no, we're going to have to mm -hmm. affirm that as a legislative process because that's what the Constitution requires. Mm -hmm. Well, it would be very similar. That's what Texas felt harmed by with other states that mm -hmm. did not do that. You saw that in Pennsylvania under what's called Act 77. The election had to be completed by 8 p.m. on election night. All ballots turned in. A court ruled like, well, we'll just let a few more come in after that. Uh, other states as well. So what you're looking at is really upholding the power of the legislature, which is the immediate uh, voice of right. the people that people elect in this republic we have. Right. I get the issue. The Supreme Court said you have no standing. Why? Because you said it in a very interesting way. Texas feels its voters were affected, not the bar, as we both know. That's what you say uh, in politics. You feel a certain way. Litigation is about facts. You know what you show. They have no proof that anything was done wrong. You mentioned Pennsylvania, as we know from a lot of litigation, those laws were passed by the legislature, reviewed by its own Supreme Court. The legislature never moved against it. So I think you have to move past that phase because you don't have a good case, as we just heard from this highest court in the land, that 6-3 conservative with three judges that Trump put on there. Do you now accept that Biden is president-elect? Well, we still don't know what the intelligence folks have in there, but, you know, come January 20th, they don't have anything. He's got his hand on the Bible and doing that, and then I guess we'll accept it at that point. But there's still a lot of time between here and there. So I'll see what happens on that. But certainly I've accepted elections in the past, whether they've been gone my way or not. I mean, there's a lot of people that didn't accept Trump's right. election for four years, including your network there all day long, every day. So Well, hold on a second. Let's do it this way. I think this is an easier way. You got any proof that anything was done that was fraudulent in any election? <laughs> you know, I don't have proof that uh, men landed on the moon in 1969 because I wasn't there. So uh, as a state really? legislator, I have my, yeah. So, Do you believe uh, the you, world you, is round? Uh, I think we've proven that. So have you been all the way around down, What we're getting down to is I have to trust the people that are doing the investigating, my colleagues from those other states, and trust that there's something there. We've seen the pictures of uh, in Michigan where they were putting up boards to not allow people to see elections and a lot, not allow people. It was all litigated. The, the they had a chance to bring out proof for all of it. Look, I'm giving you a chance to yes, show that you are a man of honor and that you can accept that this is a country of laws. The answer is no. That's the laws you, we're talking about. The, but the, the answer is no. You have no proof. You have seen no proof of any substantial fraud. Well, can I answer my own question, or do you want well, me to be on the show? I think you're dodging it. I'll ask it again. Have you seen proof that there was substantial fraud that should overturn this election? I have not been in a courtroom to look at the proof myself. I see it on the news. I see it in reports that my colleagues and I look over. So I guess if I'm not holding it myself, does that qualify me or not? So I have to believe what is out there, the documents that I've been able to but look at. But every court that has reviewed it has said it was not presented with proof of a substantial nature. Liberal judges, conservative judges, some of them picked by Trump himself. Right. That's a, it's a pretty tough deal. They've had to try to do all this in a compressed amount of time. And, you know, we saw they've, the court ruled that Texas does not have standing. I know a lot of people have been frustrated over that term standing because you think like, well, we've been harmed by this. But courts rule in other cases where, well, you don't have standing on that. So standing that means could, that you haven't been harmed. So you don't have a right to sue. That's what it means. Well, there hasn't been the opportunity to show the harm and fully vet. You all did it, have so they, an opportunity. You submitted briefs. They looked at them and said, this does not support a claim of harm. That's what it means. And I think you know this. So my question now becomes, will you start doing the job and act on getting relief money, at least get the vaccine money out the door? Or are you going to hold on to trying to take care of Trump even after he is lost? Well, Chris, it is possible for us around here to walk and chew gum yeah, at the same you time. Have so we Where's work the on a lot money? of things around here. Well, we have the Senate, which I'm standing in their room. 
and the House trying to come together on these. We want to get the relief uh, funding done, so we got to get Mrs. P and our side, over, you know, on our side to agree with the senators on what the level is going to be. We have a half a trillion dollars that's already approved. All we had to do is change the dates on the document, and that money could go right out. You know, it's a yeah, nice money that you guys didn't spend the first time. Right. What? So why, did, why doesn't Mrs. P allow us to, to do that and get that right out the door? We can do that right now. It's about where you want it to go and who it's going to benefit and how it is. This is what I don't understand about what happened. In March, you guys come together. You put out over $2 trillion. You get together. Yes, the left, the right, the reasonable, the president, mm -hmm. everybody's mm -hmm. on the same page. Now you have worse cases, worse hospitalizations, worse economic need, and you guys can't agree on anything. Why? Well, they, the, the Democrats in the House came up with something called the HEROES Act, which wasn't too heroic. It was at one point three and a half trillion dollars worth of spending that had a whole bunch in it that was nothing to do with relief from the Wuhan virus. OK, so we have a problem in that we're going more and more into debt for things that aren't actually helping, either helping the businesses and the people and their employees or actually to combat the virus. What was there it was going like, to? In that, in that document, there was only about $10 billion going into businesses. Why don't we focus all of our efforts on things that are going to help people either fight the virus or help their jobs? So why, don't, why won't you give people direct checks? Wouldn't that help just about more than anything else? Well, we did last time and there's debate. Why not on, this on time? That, well, I think we're trying to come to an agreement on that. Your side says no. Well, we've talked about $600 ones. I mean, at the end of the day, I, talk, I see people out there in my district that are talking about, don't send $1,200 checks, just open our businesses back up. They know how to wear Do the both. protective gear. Pardon? Do both. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's what we have to battle through here. So, we'll but see. Yes, You're in the middle of is, a pandemic. This is an it emergency. Is it's a crisis. We have to come to an agreement around this place, okay? When the two sides are so far apart, you know? I mean, you got your result with the election for president, so maybe after January 20, it'll be easier to agree on things, right? First of all, it's not that we got the result. It's not me. <laughs> right. You're part of this country, brother, right? You don't agree with that guy in Texas who's saying that you guys should put together a group of states and fight on your own, do you? You don't believe that BS, do you? Well, we got a piece of California that wants to divide away from San Francisco. I'm asking LA you, you don't believe that, do you? You're not part of that, uh, are you? No, I'm not part of dividing the country. You know, because you know what I call you guys? I, I believe that signing on to an effort where you knew there was no real proof and you knew uh, that it probably wouldn't go your way. I see that as beneath the dignity of what you're supposed to be doing. I call you guys retrumplicans because I think you put him before you put your own party. Well, I'm not going to get into people. name calling I could have for you here, you know, but I know there's some you good names You call me whatever there, you want. You guys do it freely no, all not, the time. It's not, it's not productive. So let's get down to what we saw in front of us. We felt like that uh, the Texans, we, we joined the lawsuit Texas put forward because they felt like they'd been harmed. They felt, but they had no proof, and you knew they elections. had no proof. Continue. Because it takes time. You don't always put everything on the table in the beginning of yeah, an Yeah, but you've got to have enough to have a lawsuit. Come on, you know this, Doug. Yes, you know that I you know. don't start a lawsuit in search of proof. You have proof, and you then search and start a lawsuit. And you know that. It's called it a takes, frivolous suit otherwise. You know this. Well, there's 70 million people in the country at least that feel, and actually it's a bipartisan thing because you look at the polls, there's a lot of people that are Democrats and Republicans that feel like there's a lot of funny business with this election. Yeah, but Those that's because you guys keep answers. telling them there's funny business with the election without proof. Of course they're going to believe well, what, what are What are the pictures you're seeing? You know, again, the I'm not seeing up, the pictures. That's my point. I'm not seeing these pictures. I've been well, looking for Well, you've got to turn to a too. different network then. Find the pictures. You know, they're out there. No, they're not. You had one okay, case where there. you show, you're talking about pictures of them boarding up what they were doing. That office was afraid of the people outside who were screaming and yelling. You had courts make different Because rulings. they weren't letting both sides come in and review the, the ballots. It was litigated and found multiple times to have not been a fundamental compromise of any right of survey. And you know this. So my point is, <laughs> will it end now for you guys? Will you get back to just dealing with the pandemic instead of creating one? Well, we've been working all the time trying to come to agreement on this, so I guess uh, we won't have that to worry about as much, but you know, we'll, we'll still see where this develops. Until January 20th, may, it may not be over with, but you know, we know the uh, electors are going to do their business on the 14th, should some other thing come out. I, I agree, the ground's getting smaller for this conversation. Okay.
but you know, I, I don't know what it would be at this point. Me but, either, uh, because it's people, supposed to be over. People, there's a lot of people in the country that certainly want us to keep asking the questions because it really comes down to, Chris, is that people want to have confidence in their election. Hey, if you want them to have confidence, don't lie to them about what happened in the election. We'll be better off. But I do respect this, Congressman. Thank you for coming on to make the case. You were the only one who would. Good luck doing your job. I hope it gets much more progressive and productive very soon. Good luck. Well, I'm a, I'm a Sicilian, so I figured it had to be on the show. So anyway, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for having Merry me. Merry Christmas. Buon Natale and take care. Do your job. Chentani. Thank you for watching. CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts right now. Those pictures he's talking about debunked. He's probably talking about Georgia. Oh, no, no, no. There were pictures. People were afraid when they were working in the polls, looking through the windows and seeing enraged people outside. He's talking about the surveillance video from Georgia that shows a packing up and that has been debunked by the secretary of state, the person who's in charge of the election. They have explained what that video is. It has nothing to do with stealing votes or not counting votes or any of that. It's all BS. And I agree. He He said pictures. Know it, but I agree that it has nothing to do with anything. And they keep pretending that things are going on. That's not. Here's the bottom line. Right. And we both can agree on this. Look at what we're covering tonight. Right. Approval of a drug. The Supreme Court saying no. Reject. It's time for America to come together. This we are at a very critical moment in this democracy because of a pandemic, a once in a century or lifetime health crisis, right? And because we have a president who's really bonkers, who is trying to prove something that is not true. It is, as you say, a lawsuit in search of evidence. Yeah. They filed a lawsuit and there is no evidence. But that's of why anything. tonight mattered so much. But that's this, why tonight matters. This matter, was huge. Chris. You got a conservative court, six, three, yep. three judges that he put on there. And they said in no uncertain terms, sure, they could have written long opinions saying why it's wrong. I think less is more. Yeah. You have no case. You have no Beat case. It. And the two people, they say Alito and Thomas, when they say, oh, well, they want. No, they didn't. They said you have the right to uh, to bring it or to file it. Is it is a totally separate issue. It's a whole nother issue. And they, it's not, they have a beef about jurisdiction of the right. Supreme Court it's in interstate issues. It's they said procedure. they would offer no relief here. So Period. here's the thing that I want to, Chris, because I want to bring Sanjay in on this. Sure. We have some big stories tonight. Two big stories, right, that we're talking about tonight. The FDA, a moment ago, officially authorizing the, fire, the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine scene for emergency use. Um, Sanjay, talk to, talk to us, uh, Chris and I here. I'm glad that you're here with us. It's such a big step. You've gone through this report. Did anything in there since you, I know you've had time to go through it more since you did with Chris. What else stood out to you? What stands out to you with this when you look at this? No, you know, I was looking for any red flags, you know, something that uh, was going to be of concern. But pretty much the, the document uh, talks about the rationale for, for granting this emergency use authorization, which is uh, an emergency use authorization different than an approval. They're still going to be collecting data, at least for a couple of years. They're going to have an adverse event reporting system. So, you know, that's part of collecting data. If people have any adverse events to report, they're going to continue collecting that data. I think uh, for consumers, I think the two most interesting things were for people who have had a history of some sort of severe allergic reaction in the past, they're basically saying, uh, don't take this vaccine. There was some back and forth on that. I want to get the language right here. But they said, don't take it. Uh, Some had said, look, can you pre-treat with Benadryl or something like that, or just make sure that people have an EpiPen close by. Uh, They're being cautious here. That's not going to be recommended for people who've had a severe allergic reaction. As far as pregnant women go, remember, pregnant women were not part of the trial. There were 23 women who became pregnant during the trial, so they had a little bit of data. What they said is uh, if you are pregnant or breastfeeding, uh, discuss this with your healthcare provider, basically saying, figure out the risk-reward. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're a high-risk person, if you're working in a, in a high-risk environment for some reason, whatever it may be, then you may lean towards the side of the vaccine. But you got to be educated that there just isn't a lot of data there. That data is going to be collected. You remember, I'll just tell you quickly, uh, one of the points of contention at the advisory committee meeting yesterday was 16 and 17-year-olds specifically. The ages, right. There was only about... The ages. Uh, they, they, and basically, you had a hundred, I, I looked at the data, you had 103 people total that, fell, that were 16 or 17 years old out of the 44,000 that were in the trial. So not very much data. Some had argued you should just authorize this for people 18 and over. 
not 16 and over. And uh, the FDA, uh, according to this document, sounds like they're sticking with 16 and older. So they're going to be much lower down on the list in terms of getting the vaccine because there's going to be a triage, you know, uh, healthcare workers, people in nursing homes. It's going to be a while before 16 or 17 year olds can even get this. And by that time, there may be more data collected. But no, look, this is a it's a positive document. And as I told Chris uh, last hour, I mean, I can't believe we're having this conversation right now. Here we are, uh, you know, whatever, 10, 10 months after the, the sequence for the virus was actually identified. We have, a, we have an authorized vaccine. HIV AIDS, 40 years, we still don't have a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Some vaccines take a quarter of a century to make, you know. So this is, it is a, a remarkable day, tough day in terms of the overall numbers, but a great day for science. Now Chris, you know what the number one thing is when, you know what it is, I'm sure people ask you when they, they see you out. When are we going to when is this vaccine coming? When are we going to be able to get it? I know there's a whole bunch of procedural things, right? Both of you. But the bottom line is, and that's just procedural. People want to know when does that shot go into my arm? That's Mm. what they want to know, right? They're going to get frustrated uh, because uh, part of it has to do with what's happening in Congress. They have, I think, Sanjay will tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it's six billion they have earmarked right now uh, for manufacturing needs, which my understanding is that on the manufacturing side within government, uh, what they know They've already pre-spent that money and still need more to get where they need to be in terms of demand. See, so them delaying right now is creating a potential backlog. We are assuming people will be reluctant to take this vaccine because you have, you know, the polls and people don't trust Trump. I think once it starts to roll out and people realize it's their best bet of not getting this, they are going to start to want it all over this country. And you will have two huge issues. One, you won't have enough because you got double shots on this stuff. And two, you will have states, Don, making choices about who gets it within medical workers, within hospitals and where those hospitals are and which people. And we're going to have to police that very carefully or you'll have big problems. You're right. But again, to my point, the bottom line is that's what everyone wants to know. They know that people play around. Months. People like you and me. Months. When is that going to go into people's arms, Sanjay? That's the question. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to see vaccine actually being administered, uh, you know, this week, you know, almost for certain. About three million doses are going to be distributed now. I mean, for the vast majority of people. No. Three. No, no. For the so let me put it to you like this. And we we may have these graphics, I don't know, showing you how much of the various uh, doses from the various companies have been ordered. Right now we're talking about Pfizer. Um, so in 100 million doses of this have been ordered, uh, it's going to take time. They got about seven million, six and a half million that have been uh, already manufactured. They're going to keep manufacturing this stuff. Moderna is also manufacturing and they are going to have this whole process that we're talking about today may rinse and repeat next week because you have an EUA the application there and they're going to have a similar sort of advisory meeting uh, uh, on Thursday of next week. After that, you got two other companies, AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, that are in phase three trials. I talked to Monsef Sloy. You both have talked to him over time. He's pretty, uh, he's pretty optimistic about that. They will probably apply for emergency use authorizations at the end of January. But Sanjay, so remind people number- who gets this vaccine first, second, you know, third. You know, the people who are coming up to Don and me and asking, or you, and asking when they're going to get it. They are non-essential worker, non-medical worker, healthy people. Um, They are after medical workers, long-term care people, people who are medically fragile. You know, I mean, there's going to be time here. That's on into the spring, wrong? At least. Yeah, no, I I think so. So if you just like healthcare workers and people in long-term care facilities, we know they are in the first group. That is roughly 20 million people in this country, 40 million doses, right? Everything multiplied times two. And that's what we know for sure. The CDC has already said that. They're going to be meeting tomorrow, by the way. They just moved up their meeting from Sunday to tomorrow now Mm. at 11 o'clock. And I think one of the big questions is going to be, okay, we know that first group, but what about the second group? Is it the essential workers like you're saying, Chris? Is it going to be people who are over a certain age and with certain pre-existing conditions? Should they come next? Uh, you know, that, that we'll see what the recommendations are from the CDC and then we'll see how the states take it. But one of those groups will be the next group. If you're talking about young, healthy people, people under the age of 50, no medical problems. Yeah, you're probably talking about the spring and the overall number of doses that are necessary in this country. You know, depending on what percentage of the country decides to take it, you're talking 600, 700 million doses we're going to need. Mm-hmm. 
Pfizer has 100 million. We now know Moderna, if they get authorized, there's 200 million. Uh, the federal government bought an extra 100 million today, so there's 300 million. AstraZeneca, Oxford AstraZeneca, uh, obviously we don't have the data yet, but if that gets authorized, they, the government's bought 300 million of those doses. That was their biggest bet, probably. Johnson & Johnson, another 100 million. So that's where the vaccine's likely coming from, but in terms of what it means for when you could actually go get the shot, I think for people who don't fall into one of these high-risk categories that I just described, you are talking, you know, sort of March, April sort of time frame. And, that, and that's if things go well. I'm really anxious to see how this distribution goes over the next couple of days. This is a huge logis- logistical challenge. They seem like they're well prepared, but, you know, we're going we're gonna to follow it closely. Well, Fauci said immunity say, should be about the fall, Don, yeah. in terms of when we hit that critical mass. Well, I've, as I said, we've got a couple of big breaking news stories to get to. Sanjay, I'm so glad that you could help us out on this. Chris, thanks for sticking around and helping me get through this. It broke on your watch and I figured you could help us um, with this, helping the American people understand. This is big. The American people so huge won night. today. It's a huge, huge night. night. And they won on two fronts. And I'm going to talk about the second one coming up now. Sanjay, I may have to get back to you. Uh, so but stick not around. Me. Don't I'll get to sleep, Chris. You're out of here. I love you, Don Lemon. I, I love you, Sanjay. I love both of you guys. I'll see you Big soon. Night. This- Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.